guys? Firstly, you sing beautifully, okay? So cool, don't stop. <clears throat> Before I start, have you ever felt like God is doing something and you're not sure exactly what it is, but you don't want to miss it? Anybody? Have you felt that? I'm feeling that right now. Look, I'm shaking. I don't shake. Okay, I had four espressos this morning, so it might be a... <laughs> If you, if you feel God wants to do something to people right now, okay, I don't want long prophetic words. I want short sentences like this. This is what I feel God wants to do. He is restoring hope to you right now. Hope is such a huge deal. Hope. Anybody else feel something else that God is doing now, saying now? A sentence. It's not a big deep thing. It's just something you feel that God is saying and doing could be personal as well. Sentence. Trust. What? Trust. trust. God is restoring trust. God is bringing darkness into light. Listen. Listen to what the Lord is saying. He's bringing hope. He's restoring trust. He's bringing light into darkness. It's what? Joy. He's restoring joy. It's joy of the Lord is our strength. What else? This is amazing. He's bringing breakthrough. Are we ready? Are we ready for breakthrough? He's not given us a spirit of fear. He's bringing light into darkness. That's twice. When God speaks twice, it's because He means it. We better pay attention. He's bringing light into darkness. He's restoring what the locust has stolen. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Guys, listen to our Father. It's incredible. Let's keep going for a little bit more. He's the wind in ourselves. He stands in victory with me. Is that what you said? He stands in victory with me. What's that? Jubilee is coming. Jubilee is coming. Ten more seconds. The focus is on Him. Yes. So much bigger. He restores those who are lost. He's what? He's calling us. He's calling us. I felt that this morning as well. My name, just, he's calling us by name. This is amazing. Now think of this. There are people outside of our community that does not experience the richness of a father that speaks to them like we have just heard right now. Can you see the purpose? Does it bring things into perspective? The purpose of your life. Now I can do this and say to you this. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Every word that you heard this morning, he's bringing light into darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. So that is your commission God is doing it, how? Through you. 
through us. He brings hope, how? Through you, through us, through us. He's abolishing fear, how? Through the way that we live in the lives of others. Who's encouraged by that? Smile, you guys, smile. smile. I know I get so intense sometimes. I, oh, I love it when God speaks to us. I think, this, I think he's, he's incredible. And he's always speaking. And he's always speaking. And the issue is, are we listening? That's just the bottom line. Because he's always speaking. He's amazing. And he's always encouraging. And he's always with us to lift us. All right, so here we are. Genesis. Are you guys ready? We are going to start this morning with Genesis chapter 5. If you're there, turn with me if you're not there. Lord, I know that Catherine's already prayed, and I, and, I, and, I, and I thank you for your constant affirmation of us, of your love for us, um, your plan for us. As we head into Genesis 5, I just ask that you give me the ability to communicate it uh, just clearly uh, and, um, and, and from, your, from your spirit, completely from your spirit. Um, because you are the God of exponential growth. You are the God of breakthrough. Um, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You love family. Um, and you love us. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 5. Guys, let me just say, Genesis is mind-blowing. Okay, there is a limit, there's an infinity, there is a limitless amount of things that you could read about Genesis. Stay away from the evolutionary guys, cause, but some of them, it's more of an adaptation reality, but still, but, but there is just scientifically, creation, from the standpoint of creationism, uh, the proof of science, the creation account, and, and everything, particularly what we're going to look at today, there is just endless amounts of information in that. And like I said last week, for me, what I feel God wants to do is to reveal, to bring revelation as we, as we go through Genesis. And we are going to speed up as we go through Genesis, okay? I'm just doing 5, 6, and 7 today because it's, it's just a lot. But we are going to speed up and, and do big chunks of it. So it's important for us to, to hear what the Lord is saying. May we never be the people that hear the Word of God, experience the revelation of God, are transformed by the presence of God, and go away as if we have not looked in a mirror. Go away and just live among our daily lives as if nothing's happened. True? You guys with me? Say amen, somebody, about something. All right. So I'm going to read. I might go in and out of explaining what these things are, but chapter 5 is the history of Adam and Eve. It's their family line, it's their lineage, and God um, puts lineage, it's a big deal in Scripture. It's in the beginning of the new, it's in the beginning of the old, lineage because God is a God of family and one of the three major ways that I believe the Lord builds the church is generationally. Your kids are going to serve Jesus because you serve Jesus and their children will serve Jesus because you serve Jesus. And if you're the first generation in the lineage, thank God that you got saved, that he saved you, heard his voice. If you are the tenth in the line of a bunch of guys that changed the world and were missionaries all over the place, that's amazing. You should be up here leading this community. Okay? But nevertheless, he is the God of lineage and family. And so that's how we approach this. Chapter 5. When God created human beings, he made them in the likeness of God and created them as male and female. And after he had created them, he lovingly blessed them 
and named them humanity or Adam. Adam and humanity, very close. And there is no stronger statement that could be made that male and female were created co-equal in the eyes of God from the hands of God. Is that clear? Co-equal. And when the rubber hits the road, we are still co-equal with our wives. Hey, all the men say, yes, that's true. All right. And the word head means the word origin, which means God took Eve from Adam. It doesn't mean you're the boss over your wife at all. And if you're still living in that syndrome, please be free in Jesus' name. Because your wife is the secret weapon that you thought you never, that you never had, you, you have right there. She is literally the other side of the wing of the bird. And until then, you are just a pathetic little pigeon going around in circles <laughs> until you realize that your wife is the other wing. And she's not a teeny little wing that's under your big wing. She is an equally sized wing on the other side of this animal. Okay. Wow, that was a diversion right there. So, anyway. So here is the family history of Adam and Eve. When Adam was 130, he fathered a child and and, and, and guys, they lived in the antediluvian age. The antediluvian age was uh, the beginning of time. It was an age where, as I said, there's so much stuff, I can't go into it, but the dinosaurs were alive. There was a canopy around the earth. It was like a hothouse. It was like a greenhouse. Everything was, was, uh, was, was anyway, I'm not going to go into that. But people lived much longer. The seed was pure, and, and people lived, as you can see, as we're going to read through this, for much longer than we were alive. I've just butchered that, but there's amazing stuff about that out there. And so, uh, fathered a child at the age of 130 in his own image, and he named him Seth. Adam lived an additional 800 years after Seth was born, and these are actual years like we have today, and uh, the days that God created were actual 24-hour days, and so this is how we take this. Seth was born, and he had many other sons and daughters, and the lifespan of Adam, Adam was 930 years, and then he died. And so in, the anti, uh, in this age, Adam and Noah was actually alive at the same time. Their lifespan overlapped by about 230 years. But it took Adam hundreds of years, to, uh, Eve, uh, Noah, to build, to build the ark. And so, but, but they were alive at the same time. Isn't that amazing? Fascinating. So when Seth was 105, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived an additional 807 years after Enosh was born, and he had many other sons and daughters. Now, guys, some of the scholars here, I've got to put this in here, had up to, Adam had up to 300 children in his lifetime. Is that unreal? So the lifespan of Seth was 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh was 90, he fathered Kenan. Every one of them started having children, but earlier and earlier. Enosh lived an additional 815 years after Kenan was born and had many other sons and daughters. The lifespan of Enosh was 905 years and then he died. When Kenan was 70, he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived an additional 840 years after Mahalalel was born. He had many other sons and daughters. The lifespan of Kenan was 910 years and then he died. When Mahalalel was 65, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived an additional 830 years after Jared was born, had many other sons and daughters. The lifespan of Mahalalel was 895 years, and then he died. When Jared was 162, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived an additional 800 years after Enoch was born, had many other sons and daughters, and the lifespan of Jared was 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch was 65, he fathered Methuselah. 
Enoch walked with God for 300 years after Methuselah was born. He had many sons and daughters. Enoch and God walked together as intimate friends. And then God took him to himself and he was seen no more. The lifespan of Enoch was 365 years. Now this is the deal with Enoch. Enoch believed God and became intimate with God. And there is this equation in Hebrews where it says that by faith, by faith we please God. Enoch was a man of faith. Even in those days, it's actually the first mention of this concept in Scripture. And because faith, God rewards those who diligently seek Him. And there is no other way for us to please God but to live by faith. We must stop long enough to just think, what does this mean for me to live a life that is filled with faith in this God? Because it hinge, there's so much that hinges on that. Because what we believe determines how we behave. And not the other way around, like I touched on last week. And so this is not an environment where we are trying to change anybody's behavior. And sometimes when I'm in, in circles with other guys that are also Christians, uh, I, especially around my children, I'm like, okay guys, let's just behave like Christians. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Okay. But God is not into that. God is pleased by... Our faith, which determines our behavior. And that is the deal with Enoch. He became so intimate with the Father because he was a man who walked by faith. He had a relationship with God. Does it make sense to you? And as a result, he skipped death altogether. If you think about that, it's a whole, it's a whole different can of worms. And so when Methuselah was 187, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived additional 782 years after Lamech was born. And he had many other sons and daughters, and the lifespan of Methuselah was 960 years. And then he died, 69 years. He was the oldest man ever lived on record. When Lamech was 182, his father, the son, named Noah. So Methuselah was Noah's grandfather. Do you want to know what Methuselah means? Who wants to? Methuselah means when he dies, I will send, or his death will bring. That's what Methuselah means. Do you know Methuselah's name means when he dies, I will bring. Something new will happen when he dies. Do you know that Noah entered the ark with his family seven days before it started to flood, right? On the very day that Methuselah died. And that's just not one random fact, guy. That this is consistent through the theologians and the, and the scholars. The day that Methuselah died, which is the meaning of his name, Noah and his family entered the ark. But this gets even so much better. So all the the names of these guys, I'm going to just quickly read the names of these guys to you. Kenan means the one who laments. Mahalalel means the splendor of God. Everything is this glorious God. Jared means to descend. Enoch means to teach, to initiate, to dedicate. Methuselah means, when he dies, I will send, or his death will bring. Enoch, he was, uh, yeah, Methuselah, I'm getting lost with all my notes here. And so it goes. And so when you read all of these, the lineage together in the exact order that they were born, this is what the sentence makes. The ten names that are joined together in the lineage of Adam and Eve is, uh, is, 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 is this theme of the genealogy of Adam, humanity. This is what it, how it reads. Man is appointed to mortality, and the lament of death 
But the splendor of God, who we know is Jesus Christ, will descend and his death will bring the power to overthrow death and sin and to bring us into rest and comfort. Is that mind-blowing? That's not even stretching it. That's just reading the names in order. The last name is the name of Noah in this genealogy. And Noah brings, means rest and comfort. Isn't that beautiful? Who's impressed by that? I was pretty impressed. So Noah, he means comfort and rest. Very similar. And so let's continue to read. Chapter 6, when people began to populate the earth, they had many lovely daughters. Okay, guys, this is the most controversial part of Scripture right here I'm about to read. Are you ready? I'm going to do my best. They had many lovely daughters. Divine beings found them very appealing, so they took the woman they wanted as their wives, which is a euphemism of just, just sleeping with them. They didn't take them as their wives. So had sex with the woman. Yahweh said, my spirit will not strive with humanity indefinitely, for they are mortal, and their lifespan will be shortened to only 120 years. Back then and later, there were giants on the earth who were born as a result of an unholy union between the heavenly beings with human daughters, and they were the mighty ones, the old warriors of renown. They used to call the heroes. But Yahweh saw how extremely wicked humanity had become, for they imagined only evil for all they, thoughts of, all they thought about was doing evil all the time. And Yahweh was saddened by this. Now this word saddened is also the word for hope. Remember we are a thousand to one. For every one word in English is a thousand words in Greek and Aramaic in the mix. Right? So, so it's just a beautiful thing. But I want to reread this. But Yahweh saw that they were extremely wicked humanity had become for they imagined only evil for all they thought about was doing evil all the time. Okay. And their heart was filled with pain. So Yahweh decided, God decided, I will do away with my ruined creation. Human beings that I created, people and animals, creeping things and flying birds. For it breaks my heart that I made them. But one man found grace in the sight of God, Noah. Noah, please God. This is the story of Noah. And before we start the story of Noah... This is the two schools of thought about the, the Ephilim. What do they call The what? The Nephilim. Jeez, you guys are on the ball. The Nephilim. So the Nephilim, the two schools of thought. One of them thought they were the sons of Lamech that were big and they were giants. Other scholars um, believe that they weren't giants, um, um, that they weren't giants. But anyway, these guys believe that they were mighty guys that were big, they were the heroes, they were warriors, and they had become so evil because all they ever thought about was evil, and they were possessed by the devil, and they became, became demonized. And in that place of, uh, of, of demonic stuff, the description of these guys over these men are so bad, I can't even go into that, but they basically raped and pillaged as they went. They were extremely violent. Violence was the thing that they were known for. They were violent. And... Um, and um, when, when, when Israel came to Canaan, and there was this link between the Canaanites and these, the, the, these guys in Scripture, they came to Canaan and, 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 jo- uh, and they sent in the spies. Remember the spies went in the tent? Joshua and Caleb came out, and they were the only ones. Everybody else says they are like giants. 
But the fact was, they weren't, like, they weren't giants. They were just like giants. They were perceived in this, in this uh, what do you call it, this mystical nuance as giants. Because the scripture says, in our eyes, they were like giants. But Josh and Caleb says, no, they weren't. No, they weren't. We could take them. Uh, but the bottom line is, that's the one school of thought, that these were humans possessed by the devil, then slept with women and produced these monster giant people. And you can actually Google it, and you'll find tons of photographs. Uh, and I, I thought, wow, these photographs are super impressive. I wanted to have one on there, but we have a media team that is, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't figure it out quick enough. But they are these giant skeletons, right? Now, most of these skeletons that are taken with guys standing next to them are photoshopped. It's not Sean. It's my fault. I didn't have the photos here. So, um, so they're photoshopped. So there were big people in the world, absolutely. Uh, but the, the, the FLM, that's the one school of thought, that they were these, these demon-possessed guys and the offspring of demon-possessed men with women. The other school of thought, which is the one that I lean to, if you want to know, if you're quite kind of interested, is I believe that they were fallen angels, um, um, as the scripture says, actually, in some of the translations plainly. Um, um, and we know that uh, Satan was cast down and there were angels that have violated their parameters and stepped out of that authority of God and they were evil to a huge extent and that they actually slept with, with, with normal women and produced these, these demons, these, these demon-like monster-looking things. Is that good enough for me to deal with it like that? Done, right? We got it, right? What are they called again? Nephilim. The Nephilim. That is the two schools of thought of the Nephilim. Regardless, they fit perfectly into the moment. It's quite poignant. Because at this point, God says that everything that man thinks about all the time is always and only evil. And God regretted that he made mankind. And he said, I'm going to destroy it all with the flood. The flood. The flood is announced. Okay? And, and Noah pleases God. And this is the story of Noah. Noah was a godly man of integrity without fault in his generation. And he lived close to God. Noah had three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, Shem means upright and brilliant in prosperity and dignity. Ham means he's, he's hot, tempered, he raged, and he was always in tumult of some sort. Japheth means that he, let him, he allows him to spread out enlargement, increase, and expansion. The sons of Noah, all three, built three cities. The cities were called after their wives. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And they are amazingly beautiful historical significance to the geography of mankind on the earth and where people are living right now because of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And you can go and study that. Injustice and violence filled the world and the earth was ruined in the sight of God. For he saw how debased the world had become for everyone was corrupt to the core. So God said to Noah, I've decided that all living creatures must die for their violence has filled the earth and I will wipe them off the face of the earth. Build a boat for yourself. Now, at this stage, the creationist guys will tell you that there'd never been rain that fell on the earth. The, remember, the, the soil was cursed by God, and it was very difficult for people to actually cultivate things. So rain had not yet fallen, and God commanded Noah to build a boat because there's going to be stuff falling out of the sky. Can you imagine the, the, the foreign... If you, if, you re, if you start to read the commentaries in the darkness of the day, and, and it's like Lord of the Rings on steroids. I mean, it's like unbelievable. You have these dudes that are demons sleeping with women. Everybody was super violent. And as I was sitting there reading this stuff over and over, it, 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 it fills you with this, with this sense of just despair. 
And, and, uh, and, and, and even when the scripture says that God was saddened, it, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was heartbroken, but he had this inerrant hope that flamed within him that, that, that there could be a new day and a new way, right? And so Noah was prepared to, to build this ark. The dimensions of the ark are incredible. And today there's a guy who spent $100 million in Kentucky and built a, an exact replica of the ark. Has anybody been there? Okay, it's there, it's in Kentucky. You've been there, yeah, Des, you've been there. I remember you telling me a bit about it. It's fascinating and mind-blowing, the science, the wisdom, the engineering that went into building such a, such a boat. It was about three-quarters of the size of the Titanic, all cedar, all wood, okay? And uh, the dimensions are clear. We're going to read the dimensions right now. But this is the thing. God pronounced the end and simultaneously preserved those who were righteous and said, prepare for the flood. Now, in the mythology and the psychology of Genesis and the flood, it is absolutely mind-blowing how beautiful some of these guys can say it. And even now, I've, uh, you know, I mean, they are just absolutely amazing in how they can communicate this because they focus on this for their whole lives and they've developed a methodology on how to teach this thing. But chaos is how it began. And chaos is how it is going to be again And in the midst of that chaos, remember, the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos and God spoke the spoken word, the Spirit of God, the combination of the two, and creation happened. Now God is preserving us, the righteous, in the ark and taking us through the chaos to come out of the other side. But he said, start to build the boat. Took him hundreds of years. Start to build the boat. There's no promise There's no explanation of what rain might be. The creationist guy says there was a canopy that was punctured by an ice planet. These guys are amazingly super clever guys. All born again, filled with the Spirit of God. And obviously they are contrasting, and there's thousands of debates again on YouTube that you can watch about these guys. Pierce the canopy that surrounded the earth, and and the water, and the scripture speaks about that as well. More water came from the inside of the earth, and cracked the earth open, then came down from the sky. So much so that the highest mountains on earth at that stage were covered by the, by the, 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 the deluge of, of the flood. So let's continue to read verse 13. So God said to Noah, I've decided that all living creatures must die, for their violence has filled the earth, and I will wipe them off the face of the earth. Build a boat for yourself. Guys, I'm just looking at my notes here and I forgot to mention something. The, the thing that I felt the Lord said to me about the, the Nephilim, Nephilim, right? Why can I not remember those guys? The Nephilim is that they were a combination of, of, of the demonic and of the, son, of the daughters of God. The daughters of God. Okay? So, 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 the question that I felt God asked me, and I'm just going to ask it to you straight out, is are there maybe areas in our lives where we have taken the demonic, okay, and we have, we have allowed it to um, impregnate the purity of the, things, of the things of God in our lives, and where we are now living with a, a mute, mutation, um, and we've become okay with that. Um, it's, a, it's a sober thing. I think, we, I think we, we, we live in a world that's so pervasive 
and bombards us with all kinds of things. And off the top of my head, obviously, there are the obvious things that we, that we are bombarded by. Uh, but the question is, for me in this context, it's so, it's so amazing, it's such a huge topic, but to make it personal, to, to take Scripture for me and to apply it, is, Lord, what have I allowed in? And we live in a day and age of great danger, the Bible warns us, because we've sophisticated uh, the things that, that, that miss the point. We've given them cool names, and, and we've played them down as if they are nothing. But they've, they have found themselves one generation later in our lives in reality. God's desire and all his goodness and his power and his love and his graciousness is to deliver us from that, to set us free from that. Amen. Glad I said that. So, so they built a boat for, them, for, for yourself, an ark of sturdy timber. And this is how you are to design it. Make separate compartments within it and seal it inside and out with thick tar. The, this word for thick tar, just for interest's sake, is the word kofir. It's also the exact word for atonement. And so the length is 450 feet. The width is 75 feet. So 450 feet is about... Is it from here to the fence at the back? More than that, is it? Anyway, I'm just trying to give like dimensions, more or less. Um, I can't, so let's just move on. 450 feet, figure it out for yourself. It's, and it's 75 foot wide, and it was 45 feet high. Uh, it was it cover it with a roof, but leave a gap of 18 inches at the top for ventilation. I love the detail. Construct a door on the side of the ark and design it with lower, middle, and upper deck. And I'm going to release a great flood that will destroy all life on the earth and every breathing thing under heaven will perish. Everything on earth will die. But as for you, I will establish my covenant of friendship and you will escape destruction by coming into the ark. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring with you into the ark a pair of every animal, male and female, and they will also be spared. Different kinds of birds, animals large and small. And again, there are so much that you could study about exactly what people think went into the ark because obviously we all know it's impossible to bring all the animals, even one pair of each, into the ark. So there's a beautiful scientific um, explanation for all that as well. Two of every kind, and I will send you uh, to be kept alive. Also take with you every kind of food, both for you and for them. So Noah completed all these preparations and did everything, everything, exactly as God had commanded him. Exactly as God had commanded him. I think I wonder if I should... I think I'm going to leave it at that. Who's happy? Say amen. So, yeah. Noah, the ark, these are the requirements. Exact measurements in the face of no explanation and never having experienced that reality. God chooses those who are righteous and right standing with him in faith to preserve them and calls them into the ark. And they came into the ark and God sealed the door from the outside. And next week we're going to go on and how that happened and the journey happens out there. The significance for us obviously is huge. The atonement of Christ sealed them inside that capsule. And for 40 days and for 40 nights and longer than that, they were safe inside there, spared from the chaos and the destruction 
of the earth because sin and humankind, everything they ever th- they thought of all day long was evil and violent. Amen. Let's stand together and pray.